to uh, talk about women's issues, it makes me a little bit nervous, I have to admit, uh, given my lack of experience uh, in the subject. However, from time to time, uh, as a preacher, I think it's important for me to preach on things that are going to be of great benefit to our congregation, and I believe that this topic falls into that category. Uh, I would also uh, have to say, even though I'm a little bit nervous to preach about a women's issue, I, uh, I have to say it's also a little bit exciting uh, because, I mean, sometimes it's not unusual, let's say, to preach about preaching or to preach about elder qualifications where it's like, okay, guys, I'm talking to you women, just like make your own application. But this morning, roles are flipped and that's kind of cool. Uh, so my hope, though, is that uh, wherever you are in life or uh, whatever, whichever of the two genders you are, uh, that this morning will be a benefit to you and uh, that maybe you'll be gracious to me. So, uh, give, having, having finished my first introduction, let me begin my second introduction. Um, <coughs> I think it's safe to say we live in a world where uh, marriage and the family is at least um, it's, it's suffering in our society. Uh, that in Hollywood, in history, in news, in where, wherever you look, uh, the family is, um, if not under attack, at least uh, being undermined, let's say. Uh, you can't hardly watch television without uh, some trope, uh, whether it's a nagging wife or a dopey husband. Uh, you switch to uh, what's going on in you know, the life of Hollywood celebrities, and you will see that... Uh, most of them cannot figure out how to get their marriage or their family under control. Uh, we've got lots of people rallying to say uh, that, you know, it's, it's your body, and if you don't want to have uh, this child that's inside of you, you don't have to. You know, it's about you. And so we've got a whole lot of a world that is full of people who are trying to undermine marriage and the family. And uh, as, of course, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And so you might expect that if this is a problem we've got going on, that's a problem that was going on in the Bible. And uh, sure enough, earmarked under uh, marriage and family troubles, you will find Titus 1. So if you'll turn over to Titus 1, I want to talk about a situation that was going on in Crete. In Titus chapter 1, (coughs) we discover (coughs) that there are... (coughs) Sorry... Um, <clears throat> there are some teachers there, false teachers, bad teachers, bad influences. And this is how Paul describes them. <clears throat> he says, uh, in Titus 1, starting in verse 10, he says, there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers. <clears throat> Could I have some water, please? <clears throat> Sorry. Um, many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, says, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of the people who turn away from the truth. So we get this idea that uh, there are some teachers in the, who are affecting the Cretan church uh, very poorly. And Paul tells Titus, hey, I need you to go there. Thank you so much. Uh, I need you to go there and set some things in order to stand up against these teachers. Um, and 
of course, we get not just that we have some, some teachers here who are affecting the people negatively. Uh, we can see the similar things going on in Titus, that there are, are in, in Timothy, that there are teachers teaching for false gain. They're, you know, breaking into families, uh, affecting loose women. Uh, it's terrible stuff. Uh, but in addition to bad teachers, we also have uh, that they're in this Cretan society. And Cretans are uh, slaying in the ancient world for just uncouth, terrible, debaucherous kinds of things. I mean, uh, they're uh, liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. These are, this is a, a bad society. And in addition, from the society and from these bad teachers in the church, we've got trouble affecting the family, affecting the morals, affecting a lot of things. And Paul says, I've got a couple solutions for you. One of them is something he's already talked about earlier in chapter one. We need elders who are going to give sound teaching to counteract this unsound teaching. He says, we need teachers who are going to teach sound doctrine in chapter two, verse one. But then in chapter two, we'll read verses one through eight here in a second. He addresses individual uh, Groups. He's, he talks to older men. He talks to younger men. He talks to older women. He talks to younger women. And he says to the older women and to the younger women, there needs to be a teaching arrangement going on here because if family is under attack, we need strong teaching of strong women with strong families to teach the younger women how to live. So let's read. Uh, Titus 2, chapter, or verses 1 through 8, and we're going to zero in, especially in this uh, sermon, on the instruction to women. So it says, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified in self-control, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. So in verse 8 and also in verse 5, we're, uh, it seems that what's going on is that this church is having some difficulties being uh, set apart from the world. That there are a lot of these uh, societal problems that are leaking into the church. Again, uh, false teachers, uh, a problem with this as well. That the, the word of God is being defiled, uh, being reviled, verse 5, and in uh, verse 8, uh, that they have, uh, he says, you need sound teaching so that they'll have nothing evil to say about us. That there are big problems going on in this church, and he says what you need is sound teaching, and especially, uh, he focuses, I would say, we need older women teaching younger women. And so that is what we're going to spend time this morning talking about, and to me, there are, there are three components of what we need to have older women teaching younger women. Uh, we need young women who want to learn and who want to be like the worthy woman. I'll, I'll you know, compare these in a second, but I think that's ultimately what we've got going on here. Second, we need older women 
who are, uh, who are qualified, who fit these descriptions, and who want to help young women to grow. And third, we need opportunities for them to get together for this training to happen. And uh, it seems to me uh, that we have, that, that, the third pro- that the third one there is the difficulty that we have going on here. I would say that we have young women who really want to learn. I see a lot of excitement generated around uh, like these women's classes that you all have on a monthly basis. And I can look around and I can see many women here who are older, who have a lot of wisdom, a lot of things to teach. So I don't think that we have problems with the first two. I think it's that third one, that we need opportunities for you guys to get together and learn. And I don't think that what Paul is describing here is like a, a monthly women's class or, uh, or something that goes on, on a, you know, like we have it on a, a quarterly basis. Like those things are good and I'm not trying to discount the, the wonderful things that are going on in those things. But it seems to me that what Paul is describing here is a relationship, uh, a connection where young women can see modeled in a, a strong Christian home and in uh, the lives of these uh, dignified older women, what it looks like to grow into a godly woman. And that's, that's a connection that doesn't happen necessarily in a classroom. That's going to be in homes. It's going to be in coffee shops, on walks. I don't know. You're all women. You know how to plan things. But this is the oppor- what, it, what we need is for opportunities to get together, to make these connections, to, to have this teaching happening. That is ultimately what I want to encourage us here this morning to make happen. So let's talk about these. The three elements that we need for training younger women. First, we need young women that want to learn. So I think there are a few things that, uh, that help this and a few things that get in the way of this. So I think two factors that really affect this heavily. One, the desire to be like the worthy woman. And as I said, I think that that is what we see here. Uh, if you want to be turning over to Proverbs 31, I'll read again what uh, traits Titus says. He says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. What we see in Proverbs 31 is very similar. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10, uh, we're not going to read all of these, but most of them. Starting in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks, she seeks wool and flax. She works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maids. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. Verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. What we see here is a woman who is industrious. She is good. She takes care of her family, her children, her husband. She is, she's smart. She's clever. She goes out. She's making all these business deals. This woman is amazing. And I think that we have, that there are a couple Things. I think 
there are a lot of people in the world who feel like that the biblical picture of women is degrading. It's not very empowering. And we have this, this whole society that's trying to push the empowerment of women, which is also what the Bible is trying to do, but in a very, very different kind of way. God designed women to, have, to do amazing things. And here we see a picture of an incredible woman who is industrious and strong and uh, she loves her family. She takes care of them. This is, is a beautiful picture. And I think that we have a lot of people in the world who are turned off from uh, the idea. They don't, they're like, oh, I don't want to be a worthy woman. I don't want to be the picture of uh, this, this biblical woman. And I think maybe some of that is, you know, feminist uh, ideology that people have imbibed. But I think much more likely is the idea that uh, the people who are turned off by the idea of biblical womanhood have not seen it clearly, have not had the teaching, have not had it taught well. I think in the same way that we have uh, a lot of people who uh, out in the world, like atheists who don't like uh, Christianity, they're like, I don't like Christianity because Christians are terrible. It's like, well, have you, have you read the Bible? Because, you know, there are a lot of terrible Christians, but have you read the Bible? Because Christ is a whole lot better than that. And I think in the same way there, that the Bible has been misused in the past at times to kind of uh, bludgeon women into uh, kind of a 1950s uh, house domestic role. But that's not, that's not what the, that's not Bible teaching. That's societal teaching wrapped up in a different society. And so if we have clear teaching, if we have people showing the empowering picture of the Bible and women who are doing an excellent job of, of showing that to the world, which I think we have here, then I think that we're going to be a lot more likely to have younger women who want to grow up to be this kind of person. Additionally, there's another factor that leads into this. You have women who have either seen a really strong family or uh, a strong family where they have uh, mothers and wives that are like this uh, or people who have seen families that are not at all like that. And they have a desire to grow to become like this kind of woman. And there are some people that, that don't have that. Uh, and of course, there's less uh, biblical examples of, of mothers and wives. But you can look at, uh, you know, I guess you would think the, the womanly equivalent of like Eli. You know, Eli, he didn't do what he was supposed to for Hophni and Phinehas. And they suffered because of that, because Eli wasn't taking the time that he was supposed to. He grew complacent in his duties. Similarly, you might think of uh, the womanly equivalent of like Nabal to Abigail, that he didn't love her the way he was supposed to. And we have this encouragement by older women in Titus 2 to train the young women to love their husbands and children because society is not going to teach us that. These false teachers are not going to teach us that. We need, the, the, we need older women teaching younger women so that way they can grow to be what they need to be. Another element that leads into this, some people don't have the desire and other people have an unhealthy sense of self-reliance. And I don't think this is a women-specific problem. I think this is an America problem. And I think men have it even worse than women. And this is the idea that, look, I don't need any help. I don't need to reach out to someone older and wiser to get help. You know, I got this. I could, you know, read a book or watch a YouTube video. I I'll figure it out on my own. And let me tell you, you can DIY your kitchen, but you cannot DIY your marriage. That is not what Titus wants us to be doing. Paul shows us this picture of older people teaching younger people. It's a relationship. It's a connection. It is a, and we need older women teaching younger women. And so if you are a younger woman 
what we need is for you to reach out to these older women who have this wisdom, who have the ability to help you grow to be the kind of woman that you need to be. And that way we can have strong people. We can have older women being in development. We can have strong families. Amazing things will happen. We're a whole church full of worthy women. Imagine that. That is what we need. And so we need, first, young women that want to learn. Second, we need qualified, willing, older women. Well, what does Titus say about these women? We'll look at these traits. He says, verse 3, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. That we need older women who are reverent, not slanderers, not drunk, and who are capable of teaching. And this, of course, is, is a beautiful picture of women. You could also throw in a lot of the traits that we see from the worthy woman, that she's charitable, that she's wise, that she's clever, that we have older women who are capable of teaching because they have lived their lives. They have grown up to be these kinds of people. And we have a church that is full of women like that. But also we need older women that are willing to teach younger women. And I, I think that there are a few factors that get in the way of this as well. I think some of you guys are a little bit too modest. I think you say, ah, you know, I don't, I don't really have much to teach. You know, you just go talk to, to somebody else. But all of you, so many of you have wisdom that younger women need. And I think that you sell yourself short on that. I think also there are some older women that they're like, ah, you don't really have the time. I don't really have the, the energy. But I, I want to encourage you that there is shows time and time again that God will empower you to do the kinds of things that he wants you to do. And so if God asks older women to train the younger women, then he will give you what you need to be able to do that. Finally, I think uh, we run into a roadblock here because I think a lot of times uh, that there's not the relationship that there needs to be between older people and younger people in general for these kinds of relationships to work. Again, this is, this is true for men, this is true for women, this is true for all of us, that we need to do a better job of connecting the generations. Because if I don't know you well and you don't know me well, then how are we going to even begin a relationship wherein I can learn from older, wiser people? And so <clears throat> we need older women who want to teach who, have, who are growing into these kinds of people, who have become these kinds of people, and who are opening themselves up to be approachable and helpful so that way we can have younger women to learn from them. And as I said, I think we have a congregation that is full of women like that, who are uh, dignified and noble and good, and who, in addition to that, have been through all range of experiences. Some of them who have you know, been converted, some of them who have converted their husbands, some of them who have raised lots and lots of, of wonderful children, some of them who have experienced a child that has fallen away and come back. If you, you know, we've got lots and lots and lots of women with lots of experiences, and that's amazing. That's how God intended it to be. Because we have a text like Ephesians chapter 4 that talks about how the Holy Spirit gave to the church apostles, teachers, evangelists. We have all of these things to equip the church for the work. And at first I read that and I was like, oh, these are all the teaching roles. This is a, a man-specific passage. But no, women are a part of this. They are a part of what we need to equip these younger women to grow. And God gave us older, wiser women to help the young women to grow to be what they need to be. And that's amazing. That's how it should be. And so if you're an older woman, please try to become 
qualified, willing, and able to, bring, to come alongside these younger women to help them grow and to be what they need to be. So that's point two. Finally, point three, and again, uh, I, I, I'm not going to overcomplicate this. You just it, need to get together, and there need to be opportunities for that to happen. And I know that, again, we live busy lives. Things are difficult. But if we have opportunities for, for you guys to get together, to have conversations about that, that these younger women who want to be, uh, to be loving for their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husbands, that the word of God might not be revived. When you have young women like that, and you have older women who are worthy women, older women who are uh, reverent, who are not slanderers, who are not slaves to wine, who, are, uh, who teach what is good, when you have these virtuous people that want to get together and they want to learn, then beautiful things can happen. And of course, we, we can encourage this from a positive and negative perspective. Again, remember that the Cretan society and remember that our society has it out for, young, for, for the family, and that we need to be on guard against that. And then if we don't have strong teaching from within the church, then they're going, there's going to be a disconnect. There's going to be failure as, as we look for young women to grow to be the, what they need to be. But also on the positive side, Again, think about a whole church full of worthy women, full of people who, are, who are, are virtuous, who love their family, who are growing, who are uh, you know, diligent, not only in the home, but also clever out in the world. Imagine how amazing that would be. What a positive light that that would shine from our congregation into the community, all of the good that, that, that would come from that. And those are the kinds of things that could happen. That was God's plan. And that's what we get when we see a picture like this and imagine how amazing that would be. And so, if, if you are an older woman, then please reach out to a younger woman. And if you are a younger woman, please reach out to an older woman. Find a way to make this happen. Plan it this week. Plan it today. Find times to make this happen that you can see positive virtues modeled that you can talk through the difficulties of marriage and of family and of of raising a child find a way to make this training this mentorship this connection happen so we can go forth and we can have a strong congregation and so uh, as as we conclude for for you women make this happen and again, this is not necessarily a, a, a sermon directly for men, but it's, it's true for men as well. I mean, I am astonished at how many times uh, you're like, I'm in the, the midst of something that's really confusing and difficult. And I talk to an older man, and he's just like, oh, yeah. Just, just do that. I'm like, oh, man, why didn't I think of that? Because we have, because uh, we're young, we lack wisdom. But we have people around us that can help us. And so... It's amazing. That's how God designed our church, and it is a great blessing to us. And so this is not a, a sermon to, to teach you anything, but it's a sermon to encourage you to make this happen because it will make our congregation so much stronger. It will help us serve God. It will make our family stronger, our marriages stronger. This kind of uh, relationship is so helpful, and it is a great blessing from God.
And so uh, I would like to close out this time with a prayer, and then I will release you guys to classes. So let's pray. Our good Father, we thank you so much for giving us uh, this marriage relationship, uh, man and woman from the very beginning. And we thank you for giving us older and wiser people to train us, to show us how to be loving. We thank you especially today for the older women who are virtuous, who are good, who are modeling these wonderful loving behaviors. And we thank you for the young women that want to grow up to be uh, worthy women. And we ask that you would bless those endeavors, bless those connections, and help us all to be filled by the transforming power of your spirit. Go with us and help this church to grow. In Jesus' name, amen.